Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you very much for being here. I got to tell you, there's a little bit of, uh, of momentum, a little bit of excitement right now for those of us who work in the news media and political commentary, right-wing talk, whatever you want to call it, because uh, the election, you can, almost, you can almost smell it. You can almost taste this election. It's coming up. It's going to be here very soon. And I've got to tell you right now, Donald Trump has everything that he needs. It, it has all been set up by events so that Trump can, in fact, win four more years. I'm not saying he will. I believe that it's very possible, but he might be able to pull this off, despite the fact that 2020 was just a, a tough year, a bad year for the whole world, not just for America. But one of the major reasons for this is that the Democrats have embraced this BLM movement. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm proud of the fact that this show was never bending the knee to BLM, never, oh, yeah, they, let's do the police reform. Who was telling you back in June that police reform and, you know, trying to pass a, a new holiday or to change some statues, that any of this was going to do anything to make this country better, right? I certainly was not saying that bending the knee on any of that stuff was the way to go. This show stood firm on this because I knew what was going to happen. I could see it coming. I didn't want to go out like a wimp no matter what. This show, we're not going to be wimps here. But my God, there were so many. Remember those huge companies who bent the knee, begged forgiveness, and tried to brainwash their own employees to appease BLM? Well, they pandered to an evil Marxist movement based on lies, division and resentment. Oh, what happened to all of the BLM Instagram virtue signaling? Remember the black squares everybody is putting up on Instagram? Ugh, so much, so much cowardice, stupidity, sanctimoniousness, recklessness. And now here we are. We're five months into BLM's resurgence. There's not a single positive outcome from the movement unless letting celebrities, journalists and pro athletes show off for their friends on social media is considered a really important thing. But there have been lots of deaths, riots, arson, assault and theft, though. Plenty of that. Plenty of that. Now we can judge the movement by what it did, not what it pretended to be about. And finally, the Democrats the pandering, pathetic national news media lying to you at every stage, every phase of these riots and this this movement. Now they're at least temporarily on defense because exactly what I have been telling you all along would happen has happened. You had two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies Recently out of the academy, I mean, two people just beginning their careers in law enforcement, a man and a woman, shot while sitting in their patrol car. A, uh, a black male suspect went up to the vehicle and shot them. Absolutely no reason, absolutely no anything other than they're cops. Why would someone do this to law enforcement in this country? 
Why would someone take it upon themselves to try to assassinate two police officers sitting in a parked vehicle like this? Well, my friends, um, we've seen this happen before. This is not surprising. This was just like this ambush of LAPD officers was just like the assassination of NYPD officers Ramos and Lou in 2014, also by a BLM supporter. Oh, we don't know what this guy, trust me, when they catch him, guarantee you, guarantee you when they go on his social media accounts, everything else, you'll see a lot of hashtag BLM. A radical from within the tradition of a radical Marxist movement that is based in a lie that, if it were true, would justify violence against police. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why this is so corrosive. The vicious hatred of cops, which is central to BLM, has horrific consequences. Yet again, every coward in the media and Democrat politician who pandered to the ignorant, angry mobs at the expense of our police should be ashamed. But it's about justice, they said. No, it's not. And it never was. This is just like what we saw in New York. It's just like what happened in Dallas, where you had a BLM supporter kill five members of the Dallas Police Department, just run around assassinating cops. There was no struggle. This wasn't a a fleeing felon trying to get away with a crime, as if you know that's a death penalty offense in and of itself. But there was no rationalization for this whatsoever, even for a criminal. The only reason for this is that our national news media, much of the many of the most important and powerful companies in the country and the Democrat Party went along with this, this moral panic about all the racism in our policing. Oh, it's also racist. They're killing unarmed black men for sport. That's what they say. That's the line. It's out of racism. That police just some days are like, you know what, I'm going to kill a black man because I feel like it and I'll get away with it and it won't ruin my life and it's not a monstrous thing to do. That is the central lie behind all of this. And just millions of morons went along with it. Oh, the tens of thousands of them protesting in the streets. We're about justice. No, you're not. You're idiots. Facts don't matter to you. Reason, logic, these things don't matter. Just emotion. It's emotion. It's people who are psychologically unstable, quite honestly, that are looking for something to latch on to. And the Democrat Party provides them with that. Oh, be a Democrat. Then you're a good person. And and here's this little sub movement of the Democrat Party called BLM. And you're a righteous fighter for civil rights if you go march in the streets for this and provide cover for the rioters and the looters. Oh, only 93 percent of the protests, they say. Uh, were or or 93% were peaceful, 7% were violent. If you if you spend 7% of your day in violence, you're like the most violent person on planet Earth. Okay, we've seen all the different tricks. We've seen what the media's tried to do. And as if it wasn't horrific enough, as if it wasn't evil enough that you had someone who, yes, I am I am analyzing this. We don't have the data yet. We don't have the it, it's quite obvious that this person hates cops and wanted to kill cops because of what he's hearing all the time. Every day in the media, every day in pop culture, the cops are evil and they're killing black men for sport 
because of racism. There's no other reason for this. There's no there was no other explanation. If there was another explanation, I'd at least say it could be this. It could be that. I can't even think of what it is. And we've seen this before. We've seen the patterns. We understand what's going on here. We understand what is happening. But as if that wasn't ugly. And by the way, the all the the sheriff's deputies right now are are expected to survive. So thank God looks like they're going to be okay. But as if that wasn't bad enough, um, you had BLM supporters outside the hospital where these police officers this was in South Central Los Angeles or in Compton. And you had BLM supporters videotaping themselves outside the hospital, yelling things to these cops who were shot sitting in their patrol car like y'all going to die one by one. This ain't going to stop. That's right. The BLM supporting Biden voting mob gathered outside a hospital. Maybe it was a half a dozen people. It doesn't matter. Can you can you imagine if a half dozen Trump supporters gathered outside of uh, of one of these shootings that BLM talks about all the time and was gathering outside outside the hospital where Jacob Blake was 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 you know, currently uh, being treated and we're, we're saying that this was a great thing and he got what he deserved. And it's all you'd hear about for a month in the media. All you'd hear about. But a half a dozen uh, likely Democrat BLM supporters. Gather outside and say and are cheering for this. They are cheering for officers who have been shot to die. They're not they're not hoping for a speedy recovery. They're hoping for the opposite. They want them to die. They're laughing about this. They think this is funny. Which side of the political aisle supports this creates this? Which side of the political aisle has made their bed now and has to sleep in it when it comes to BLM? We know it's the Democrats. It's the Biden voters, the pandering, the racial division. Trump has broken them psychologically and emotionally, and they're so desperate for some kind of moral high ground that they went along with this Marxist fraud again. And what has it done? People have died. There have been riots, arson, looting, stores destroyed, businesses broken into, ended, shut down afterwards. For what? Doesn't help any community. Crime is going up across the country and cities, particularly in minority areas of major cities. So what was this all about? What were all the black squares on Instagram and all the, you know, hashtag this and and hashtag that in support of BLM? What did that accomplish? Do the people that really thought that that was moral and righteous and just, do they feel good about themselves? No, if they do, they're delusional. They're delusional. And the Democrats are going to do everything they can. They're like people, they're like toddlers caught in a lie where they will not face the consequence. They're just going to keep lying and lying and lying until somebody finally just brings down the wrath and righteous fury of a higher power upon them. The Democrats are just going to lie. They're going to say, oh, no, this isn't what happened. This is not what you've seen. This is not the reality. No, it is. Now we live in a country where police are shot for no reason other than being police because... There are people out there who believe the mainstream talking points of the media and the Democrat Party. 
And then after those cops are shot and clinging to life, there are random Biden voters who gather outside the hospital saying, yeah, that's right. Those people should die. Savage barbarism. That's what rooting for police to die is. Savage barbarism. Do you see anyone who is on the right, who is ideologically conservative doing this ever? No, you do not. Why is that? There's no moral equivalence here between the two sides. The left has has completely embraced a corrupt, distorted, insidious, immoral philosophy here with BLM. And it may, in fact, cost them the election. And the only way we can really achieve justice for all the destruction, all the misery and pain and suffering and lies that these people have told for months is to defeat them in this election. They have earned with BLM alone. The Democrats have earned every second of four more years of President Donald J. Trump. Thanks for listening to the best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. So Biden wants to appease domestic terrorists, and my plan is to arrest domestic terrorists. And we also believe that if you murder a police officer, you should receive the death penalty. Absolutely. The president is laying out the very clear choice that the American people have, where you can either support the the political party that believes in pandering, in placating, Supporting openly, allying with this anti-cop movement, because that's really what it is. Or you could support a, a political party that, as imperfect as it may be, does at least have some of the clear moral questions of our day correct. The police are the good guys and gals. The police are the good team in all of this. They're what keeps us safe. They're what prevents us from having the kinds of of anarchy and violence in the streets that we've started to see a little bit of here and there in cities across America, but would be so much worse. But as if it wasn't just clarifying enough over the weekend that BLM um, was freaking out over a whole bunch of different issues, as they tend to do, you also had, in addition to that, right, you had the, the protesters outside the hospital, Uh, You had the kneeling, the NFL kneeling, which I'll get into. But you had this incident in in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that was utterly mind-blowing. Okay, here you had, and and the Lancaster PD did the right thing. Um, The Lancaster PD released the body camera footage right away because they recognized that if if this got out, there might be a real problem here, right? There might be a real issue. Uh, I'm rather rather if the story got out without the uh, attendant body cam footage. And here's here's what you see. It's it's very clear. There's a police officer's call to a domestic disturbance call. All right, and it, it's all very clear in the body camera. A guy named Ricardo Munoz who had attacked people before was a criminal who had attacked people with a knife before. And 
He comes running out. It's all on video running out of this home in Lancaster at the police officer who runs away from him and only turns when and when he has to because the guy has a knife raised to stab him. The police posted this body cam video. This is as clear a, a use of force situation as possible. Let me be very clear. Ricardo Munoz, under our law, deserved to be shot by this law enforcement officer. If you try to stab someone who is anyone but a cop in particular and you get shot, that's your fault. Now, you could say it's the guys you know, and they talked about he's he's on the I believe he's on the spectrum. He's emotionally or psychologically has problems. That's that's a shame and that's sad. But you can't try to stab someone to death. Do you know what BLM did over the weekend? Do you know what BLM did in response to all of this? Rioted. That's right. There was rioting in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Because a cop shot a guy who ran out of a house with a knife. It's on video. There's no question. Ran out with a knife trying to stab a police officer. Running at him with the knife raised. It looks like something out of a training video in a police shoot house. I've done this training before. And this is the shoot him as many times as you have to to stop the threat portion of that training. And yet that's not what the BLM protesters are willing to take from us. That's not what they're willing to say. Um, you know, that's a circumstance that continues to just it's it's mind blowing that we're now seeing them look at situations that could be the textbook case of legitimate police use of force and saying, nope, we're going to riot anyway. That's BLM. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton show. Get ready for a very troubling reality of this election cycle. And it's that this election is unlikely to be over on the night the votes are cast, irrespective, and this is the part you really have to get ready for, irrespective of what the actual voting is. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Unless you have some massive Trump landslide. Even then, I've got to tell you, um, even then, I've got to tell you, it's probably going to turn into lawfare. They're going to fight it out in the courts. There are multiple mechanisms that Democrats have already put in place. I want to walk you through what people are talking about now as a possible soft coup attempt. 2.0 wouldn't be the first time, right? The, the, the coup that may yet come. There was the uh, Michael Anton piece in the American mind uh, about this. I've been talking about a coup coming possibly for months, the way they'll try to engineer this, the mechanism for this. All of it. Right. And you see, you add all this up, the mail in ballot voting. You take that. You take the Russia narrative. Oh, Russia's trying to do things again. We'll get to that. And now you have the, the story that the polls all show Biden winning. This is what, I'm telling you what the Democrat mentality is. All show Biden winning. And so if come election night, Democrats end up with another surprise. Oh, just like 2016. And, and it looks like Trump is going to be the president for four more years. They've already built the narrative so that they can easily just say, no, 
don't believe we don't believe it. We don't believe it's true. Trump didn't win. The, the mail-in ballots are still being counted from all these states that have allowed unsecured, loose ballots just floating around there. Who knows how many are in the mail? Who knows? If they send out millions, they only need perhaps a couple hundred thousand to, to even be sent in any capacity to claim that we can't know. So then they extend it out. And it also then creates a delay because, well, what about, what about postmarking the next day? Are they going to be able to, to count these anyway? Are they going to fight? Are they going to say, you know, there's endless shenanigans that they can try. And I do think that we need to be prepared for that. I think that they're preparing for it. I think that this is what we're seeing happening right now. They simply can't process it. I'm going to tell you this, team. If, if we lose this election, and we might, we might, as crazy as I know, I know, don't, don't, don't flip your station or stop the podcast. If we lose this election... It's going to it's going to be bad. There are lots of words, bad words I'd like to use about what that would make me feel like a lot of blankety blanking, blanking, blank. But if we lose, okay, maybe the country's lost. I don't know. But we keep fighting. We rally. We do what we can. And we go down fighting one way or the other. And we enjoy every day we've got because every day above ground is better than the alternative. That's the attitude. If libs, if Democrats lose this election, they will turn into shrieking puddles of emotional refuse on the ground. They're not going to be able to handle it. And they've already, they already know this because everything they think about themselves, it's so deeply personal for them. You know, if someone can convince me that they have a better argument than what I have thought for a long time, if they really can convince me, I go, oh, okay, I guess I was wrong about that. You know, always open to that possibility. And I have changed my mind on things over time. Heck, I was worried that Trump was going to be completely in over his head during the primary as president, supported him in the general election. See, I'm honest about that. A lot of other people who are like, oh, I love Marco Rubio so much. I hate Donald Trump. Now they're all, you know, people who called Trump, I don't know, an idiot, for example, on their radio show and now suck up to him every chance that they get. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who did that. You could probably look it up on the inter- in the interwebs. There's somebody out there. And there, there are people that pretend I tell you the truth. I thought that Trump would have a hard time with this. And he's been an excellent president. And he's shown us from day one that he is a fighter and that he is trying to do his best for the American people. And, you know, if you're not willing to admit that you miss miss analyze something or, you know, you're not a good analyst. If you misunderstood something and you won't change your mind, I mean, then you're just an ideologue. You're not actually a person who's engaging with the facts. That is the definition of the modern Democrat Party right now. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the reality of our country is right now. They've already they've already set it up so that it's impossible for Trump to get a clean win. And that's the goal of all this. In fact, they've even gone a step further over the weekend. There was this piece that I saw in The Atlantic, which is one of the more. uh, supposedly intellectually snobbish, although they write a lot of garbage and have a lot of pseudo intellectuals that write for it. I mean, it's really a lot of people that aren't nearly as bright as they think they are. They just echo what other libs, what other libs want and and break out a thesaurus when they're writing their essays. But here we go. Um, I've got to show you I've got to tell you about this one. This is a a particularly galling a particularly galling circumstance here. Shadi Hamid, that's right, in The Atlantic. Quote, I argue that even strictly law and order Republicans have an interest in Biden winning, 
If Biden loses, mass unrest is more unlikely because the left will have more difficulty uh, accepting the results. Wait, that's not that doesn't make sense. If Biden loses, mass unrest is they mean if Biden wins, mass unrest is more unlikely. Anyway, the piece is about how Democrats won't be able to concede. That's the title of the piece. And what they're saying is that, look, guys, if you want the country to return to normal, you got to vote for Biden. You got to vote for Biden, because otherwise we're just going to get crazier and crazier. We can't handle it. I mean, some Democrats are actually going so far as to say that now. They're telling you this. They're saying, look, you see all these protests. You think this is bad now. Just wait until we get into a position where we feel like there's no future because we're completely nuts. And we're, we're ripping the. Basically, this is Democrats saying if, if Biden doesn't win, we're going to rip the country apart. So let's all vote for Biden. This is what the pitch has turned into. Does that. Does that line up with the overall Democrat messaging on this? Of course it does. This is not surprising in the least, right? Does does that line? Of course it lines up with this. This is the implied threat along. This is the coercive component of BLM. That's why they're going out and yelling at old people in the streets with loudspeakers and ruining people's dinners and lunches and yelling at them in restaurants and showing up outside public officials' homes and waking people up in the middle of the night. And this is all coercion. It's all meant to spread the psychosis that the libs live in because Trump is president. The rest of us are like, country's fine. Country's actually, you know, yeah, COVID's been bad, but we're dealing it. We're almost, we're dealing with it. We're almost through it. It wasn't Trump's fault as much as they try to pretend it is. It's absurd. And things are okay. We're not fighting some horrible war. We don't have planes getting blown out of the the sky by terrorists. Well, you know, the economy's recovering. You know, the administration is trying to get money out to people and businesses, and, you know, we want to reopen, and we want our lives back. What's the big problem with Trump? The border issue has calmed down for now. I mean, we haven't settled illegal immigration yet, but the border issue is not not in the same uh, emergency situation that it was. And yeah, here we are. They think that if Trump is elected, that the country is over. They've created a narrative of existential duress for the nation. If the sitting president is re-elected, it's like they learned nothing. They acted like the country was going to be destroyed if once Trump won, because they didn't think that was really possible. Now here we are, four years in. Country's doing fine. Country's not destroyed. People are fine. People aren't getting marched off into you know into camps. And being told to break rocks with mallets because they voted for Democrats. And there's not none of these horrible things. There's no fascism. They haven't suspended election. All these things we've been told. He's not actually a, a puppet of Putin, although they still say that like complete morons. But now it's just the same thing all over again. But but it's even worse. It's, it's exaggerated in their minds. The threat is even greater. We've had a normal person would see Trump as president for four years. The country hasn't fallen apart. He hasn't destroyed the nation. So now let's understand that if he's president for four more years and we have the continuation of what we've seen, things are going to be fine. That's what a normal person would do with just with those facts. What Democrats do is, oh, my gosh, see, he is destroying the nation. And if we, we can't live if he does four more years, oh, no. They, they really do believe this stuff. 
I used to think that it was largely theatrics uh, for viewers and just because it was useful propaganda. But no, these these Democrats, these libs are not such talented actors. A lot of them really believe this, friends. And that means they're willing to go to the most extreme lengths imaginable to not just try to defeat the president, which they still could do, but to steal the election from him if he wins. And now they're even telling you Biden better win or else that's considered a pitch for Biden to get more votes. Hey, guys, if, if Joe Biden doesn't win this election, country might just get burned down, you know, burned down in a big smoldering heap because of all the uh, rioting Democrats out there. So let's all let's all come together and avoid that by voting for Biden. That's what the piece in the Atlantic is saying. They may not be able to concede. They may not be. This is a from a Democrat, folks. He's a Democrat writing. And he's admitting Democrats will not be able to psychologically process this. They've they've gotten so frenzied. They're so surrounded with their with their MSNBC and their their tweets from celebrities and all their friends who all are so woke and the whole the whole mess, all this nonsense. Can't just take a deep breath, take a step back and go, hold on a second. Trump hasn't murdered millions of people trump isn't destroying the country he's not erasing all freedoms he's not a fascist he's he's not a racist as much as they like to say he is maybe they could just take a breath take a chill and accept that or at least think about the prospect that the democrats the left have bad ideas that don't work they're illogical history shows they fail and they're irresponsible and utterly emotional and childish in how they deal in American politics these days. So maybe a little bit of reflection and a little bit of chill would take the Democrats a very long way. But instead, they are going to take the amp, not just to 11, even though it only goes to 10. They're going to find a way to take it to 12, and they're going to blast out everybody's eardrums. They will completely lose their minds. And they think that's a reason to vote for Biden. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Some good signs in the polling, at least for those of us who are hoping that President Trump does get four more years. What are these dynamics as they are playing out, especially when it comes to the Hispanic community? Uh, We've got Director of Strategic Communications for the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder, with us now. Mark, thanks for making the time. I know you're busy. Oh, thanks for having me, Buck. So what what are we seeing here with the the surge in Hispanic support for Trump? Where is it? How much of there is it? And why do you think it's happening? Well, and, and there's been some recent public polling that shows that, that Joe Biden is significantly underperforming, even Hillary Clinton, uh, in Florida among Hispanic and Latino voters. Of course, that's a state that Donald Trump won in 2016. So if he's doing worse in that very key demographic, I think it's one of the reasons why you saw him scramble to send Kamala Harris down there last week. He's heading there later this week, and they're even trying to tap Michael Bloomberg to see if he can go buy an election for them down in the state of Florida. But it doesn't really matter how much money they have to spend. When, you're, when you have Joe Biden's really bad message, it's not going to work. $100 million is what I saw uh, that Bloomberg's willing to spend just in the state of Florida. Of course, we're not going to hear Democrats complain about big money in politics when it comes to that, right? But $100 million in the state of Florida, which is going to be the biggest spend, I think, without the desired results, since uh, Jeb Bush spent about $100 million to get, what was it, uh, a few delegates? Didn't go so well. 
Right. And Michael Bloomberg proved it himself. He spent a billion dollars and, and didn't get anything out of it in the primary process. It just shows you can't buy an election if your message is so bad and horribly flawed. And when you look at Joe Biden's plans for four trillion dollars in new taxes and the green raw deal or his history of being soft on Cuba, soft on the the, uh, the dictatorship in Venezuela, it's not going to resonate no matter how much money Michael Bloomberg wants to waste, he's still not going to make any inroads uh, in Florida. What can you tell us about, uh, we're speaking to Mark Lauder, Director of Strategic Communications for the Trump campaign. Mark, what can you tell us about the, whatever you've seen, because here's the theory, and I think it's a pretty sound one, that the reason there's been a change in tone, even before the horrific shooting of two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies over the weekend, Uh, But there was a change last week or two, I'd say, from some Democrats about just how extremely supportive of BLM they're willing to be. And people have said this is because the public polling has turned against them. What what can you tell us about how this issue, you know, from from just a a political strategy perspective, is now a liability? It seems like it's just become a liability for Democrats in swing states, not in New York and California. Well, it really is a a huge we've seen a huge shift in the polls. And I think it's a lot to do with the violence, the arson, the the rioting, looting, shootings and homicides that we've seen in so many Democrat run cities and states and the Democrats failure for months to even condemn it and come out opposed to it. I mean, Joe Biden called police the enemy. Kamala Harris compared them to the Klan. And as I travel around the country, I hear the exact opposite. And I hear so many people who even say, look, they've had a history of maybe being down the middle and voting Democrat in the past. And they just shake their heads when they see those kinds of things, because they know that the men and women who put on the uniform and that badge and go out every day to respond to your 911 emergency, they're the best of us. And we need more police, not less police. And so I've se- we've seen this happening in the battleground states, but we've also seen it happen in non-traditionally Republican or not traditionally Republican constituencies. It's really having an impact on Joe Biden in the black community, in the suburbs, which he's counting on, because they don't want to see a soft on crime pro protester movement, which is really what the Democrats have become. Mark. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida seem like the big three. There are other critical states. I know you and the campaign are going to be putting a lot of effort and and energy into. But tell me specifically about about what the strategy is to get to get those wins racked up. We just talked about Florida. But what are we doing in Pennsylvania? My good friend Sean Parnell is running in a tight congressional race out there. He's talking about the dynamics at play and and Ohio. It feels like if Trump wins those two plus Florida, we're good to go. Well, so the so in Pennsylvania, it's definitely a message about the economy, especially in Western Pennsylvania. In fact, I was with the vice president last week and Sean Parnell uh, at an event last week in, in that district, and it's amazing when you talk about you know Joe Biden and his open. Uh, embrace of ending fracking, being against fracking. And then he has to come out and try to distance himself from it uh, because he, again, sees the numbers are starting to trend away from him. And as we look at uh, across the country, we see it's not just about fracking. It's about energy independence. And you can look no further than the mayor of Los Angeles a few weeks ago telling people to turn up their air conditioning to 78, turn off their lights and TVs at three o'clock in the afternoon because there's going to be blackouts. That is a preview of what Joe Biden's America is going to be. And then you go to places like Western Ohio, or Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, and other states where fracking is really big. 
Now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of jobs that are going to be eliminated. And for a campaign that's hoping to to make strides from Joe Biden's standpoint, telling 100,000 people they're going to be out of jobs in Pennsylvania and Texas and eastern Ohio and other places, that's not going to be a winning message. Are you seeing undersampling in some of the public national polls, undersampling of Republicans? Is that I, I see a lot of people in conservative media that point to this as, as a concern because, you know, I'm just wondering, is that something that you, you, you all would agree with, that there is that some of the polling looks to be skewed a little bit? Or do you just worry about your internal polling and keep fighting the fight you're in? Well, I mean, obviously, we keep a better tab on our internal numbers because we were right in 2016. They were wrong and we think they're wrong again. But it is true that there is a massive uh, underreporting going on in many of these national polls. I don't think they learned the lessons from 2016 about how to identify what the electorate is going to look like. And to make matters worse, when you undersample Republicans, and there's no question that Republicans are the more energetic voters for their candidate than Democrats are for Joe Biden, you're just magnifying that impact. So you're underreporting the people who are most likely to come out and vote for their candidate. I mean, I've said it in the past, these pollsters that are doing this are either incompetent or they're corrupt because they either can't figure out their mistakes or they're intentionally trying to create a narrative to depress Republican voters, to make them think that the, the race is lost when it absolutely is not lost. In fact, I would say, you know, we are ahead of where we needed to be and we're ahead of where we were in 16 and we're ahead where we need to be to get to 270. If you had to pick, I was asked over the weekend, if there's one state that was blue the last time that you think could realistically go red this time, and maybe you can give me a you know two or three, but, you know, so I'm not asking for because obviously if you win what you won last time, congratulations, four more years. Right. But I'm just if we're going to run up the scoreboard a little bit, what state would you think right now that had been just narrowly blue in 2016 that this time around we could flip? Well, I think there's three top candidates there. Uh, Minnesota. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen it. The president only lost it by a point and a half in 2016. And even just a few weeks ago, you saw a number of Democrat, former Democrat mayors uh, in what's called the Iron Range in, in Minnesota come out and say they're supporting President Trump because he supports the workers in their communities. And uh, so I think that one's a top target. I would believe that New Hampshire would be a target. It's only about 2,600 votes that the president lost that in in 2016. And then Nevada as well. Because you'll see the president, obviously, he's in Nevada right now. But one of the big differences in Nevada is obviously they are so economically driven. And when you have a platform like Joe Biden's to raise taxes by $4 trillion, that's $4 trillion people don't have to spend uh, at the resorts and casinos and amenities in Las Vegas and in Reno. But it's also huge because companies aren't going to have those that money that they can spend at conferences and conventions, which are really a driving force in Nevada's in Nevada and in Florida's tourism based industries. And the violence that you're seeing in cities across the country, the, the surge in violence, the anarchy in the streets, uh, the the Biden campaign doesn't seem like it has a clear message about this. W what is the Trump campaign? How does the Trump campaign describe the Biden choice here? Uh, they're between a rock and a hard place of their own making. Uh, when they when they decided to align themselves with the radicals of the Democrat Party, the BLM and and the folks who are out there rioting, arson, you know, looting. Well, they put themselves at odds with the police, with the majority of Americans, and they stayed there for months on end. 
And it should really tell a lot of folks something when you have the largest police organizations in our country, whether it's the National Fraternal Order of Police, NYPD, Chicago Police, uh, Texas Police Associations, Southern Police Organizations. They are all coming out in support of this president because they know he's standing with them. And that what we can do more than one thing at a time. We can root out injustice. We can improve training where it needs to be improved. But it doesn't mean we defund the police and or turn our attention against the men and women in blue. we got to stand with them and, and, and help them uh, and defend them, not defund them. I think it puts them in a bad position, especially in places like Minnesota, like Wisconsin, who have seen this violence up close. And I think it will it will reverberate across many other communities. Speaking to Director of Strategic uh, Communications for the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder. Uh, Mark, I'm watching this whole issue of the Democrats preparing to not concede, planning to not concede very closely. I think it would be foolish to ignore that some of the biggest voices in the Democrat Party have been saying openly. I mean, this isn't some conspiracy theory that people are reading about in the comment section of a website somewhere. This is this this seems like there's a real movement underway, you know, top writers on the left, people with big platforms, Hillary Clinton herself. How is the campaign viewing this and and preparing for what could quickly go from a, a victory at the polls to a battlefield in the courts? Well, we're, we're ready to fight that battle, and we are already fighting it in every state where we see Democrats trying to exceed the letter of the law and change to these very dangerous, unsecured voting by mail mechanisms, which are ripe for fraud and abuse. And we'll continue to have that fight. But in, in also, in a way, I would tell you that it's actually energizing the Republican base because we need to know and everyone out there needs to know that the best way we can guarantee that the Democrats won't cheat and steal this election away from the president is to have such a huge margin of victory, they can't cheat and steal this away from the president. And so I think in a way it's bringing a lot of a lot more people to the polls. It's making sure that everyone out there is talking to all their friends and neighbors and making sure they get to the polls, because that's the only way we're going to be able to stop it uh, if that's what they choose to do. From the Trump campaign, Mark Lauder. Mark, good, good luck, good work, and uh, please come back soon. Thanks. Talk to you soon, Buck. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Roll call. Todd, Buck, I nearly spit out my drink when I heard the soundbite you played of Cocaine Mitch throwing down the gauntlet. He is definitely the man. Honestly, is there another Republican who can talk smack the way he does? He just let it all hang out without fear of repudiation or condemnation when he declared, quote, at this point, it is just silly season on the Democrat side. I've replayed that line about a half a dozen times now. I don't mean to laugh, honestly, but I can't help myself. I respect Mr. McConnell. At least he says something. Shield time, my friend. Well, Todd, we got a we got somebody who's ready to go to bat for Mitch McConnell in this audience. Uh, Look, I, I cocaine Mitch. He's establishment, but sometimes he is a mean, lean judge confirmation machine. And no matter what you think of Mitch on trade, on immigration, on judges, this guy is getting it done. And that that matters. It's important. And he's he makes no apologies for it to the Democrats who are always trying to slow the whole thing down. Adam. Hey, Buck and Mark, regarding your comment today about how the NYPD should not be enforcing mask orders. I can tell you there are many of my fellow officers here in California on the same page. We've had a few coworkers get the China virus and agree that this has been blown way out of proportion 
All we want is people to take a chill pill and let people live their lives and take risk management into their own hands. God bless, Adam. Absolutely. I've been regularly tuning in or listening to podcasts on my way home after shift since you took over the America Now slot here in Monterey for the last few years. Shields high and stay safe from the left. I mean, West Coast. Well, Adam, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no, now there is no America now. That is uh, that is long buried and gone. It is the Buck Sexton show. So that's what happened when the Buckster took over. And I'm so glad you've been here for that. And thank you for listening. And great to have members of our highly valued, respected, appreciated law enforcement community across the country listening into this show. All right, we are on we are on team law enforcement here as much as anybody could ever be. Barbara. Hey, love you, Buck, but don't disparage Schenectady. Some of us live here. Would never vote for Biden. Did I did I make fun of Schenectady? Apparently. Oh, I think I said that Biden was like being in Delaware was like being the mayor of Schenectady. I didn't I, I didn't disparage Schenectady. I'm just I was just picking a random, relatively small city. I think that's what happened. Well, don't I don't even know any- enough about Schenectady to make fun of it. And I love Team Buck Schenectady. So well, now you've made Team Buck Schenectady very angry. Well, now I apologize and extended a hand in continued Freedom Hut friendship because I love them. I think this lady is now team producer Mark. Fair enough. Everybody pass the buck. Make sure someone new listens to the show this week. It's on Spotify, the iHeart app and Apple Podcasts. Until tomorrow, Shields High.